Good morning, Minky. This is Lisa Pellegrino, founder and sauce artist at Pesto Grino um, in Atlanta, Georgia, reporting live. I just wanted to let you know, I think it'd be awesome if you did a podcast around the topic of millennials and barriers to owning assets. This was inspired by um, kind of a meme tweet I saw um, that said, there should be a millennial edition of Monopoly where you just walk around the board paying rent, never able to buy anything. I know you'll do a stellar job and just keep up the the fresh, awesome tone that you have and the way that you are demystifying a lot of these issues around money. Keep up the great work. Bye, Minky. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for calling in with your question and kind words. You're a first caller. And what an awesome question. How to go beyond living paycheck to paycheck. I know it's a concern many of us winners are struggling with. For you to address this, you need to juggle two balls in the air. One is the importance of saving and managing well the money you're currently earning. But there will come a time when you just can't cut your expenses anymore. And what is missing in this equation is to actively increase your top line, one of which is getting paid your fair work. So today, we'll have Allegra, salary negotiation super coach for women, and her gold nugget advice. Hey Allegra, welcome to Money Bites. Hi Minky, thanks for having me. Should we start off with an introduction? Sure. About me? (laughs) (laughs) That'll be great. (laughs) Sorry, a self-introduction. Yeah, of course. So I am the head of marketing and partnerships at a new modern financial planning startup called The Financial Gym. And I am also a career coach and salary negotiation coach, um, specifically helping women get a pay rise at their current jobs or negotiate more in their next jobs. And yeah, that's pretty much me. I'm also, oh, I have a personal why. My personal why is to help 100,000 women believe in and achieve their full value potential. Wow, I love that. A personal why? Yeah. Do you know, are you familiar with Simon Sinek? No. He talks about the golden why. He's got one of the best TED Talks and it's really interesting. He he says, you know, all these companies have missions. Why shouldn't people have missions? And I, I really agree. So that is my personal mission and why. Wow. That's pretty awesome. I'm definitely going to look that up. Um, so I'm super excited about today. When I met with you, the point where my eyes sort of popped open was when you said a statistic that women live longer, but we earn less over the course of our lifetime compared to men. Can we start off with that? Sure. Yeah. Women on average live seven to 11 years longer than men, and we earn less than them throughout the course of our careers. So it takes us about 11 years to catch up with them. And if you think about it, they're, they're kind of gone by then. So it's just a crazy situation where we are um, kind of behind when it comes to earning 
and yet we have a longer life to provide for ourselves. So the, there's some odds against us and, and, you know, in our roles, a lot of times there is a gender pay gap and it's not expected to be absolved until 2085. So that's really why I do what I do because I want it to close much faster than that. And it can't be, we can't expect it to come from the employer side. We have to do it ourselves. It shouldn't come from the employer side, honestly, because their, their goal is to make money. So this is business and their responsibility is to their shareholders or the owners of that business. And our responsibility is to ourselves. So that's Super how I got into all this. A few reasons why women need to be very intentional and active about seeing what their top line is. Exactly. We're our biggest so, advocate and we're already in sales. So we need to make sure we're selling ourselves for our full value. You know, our jobs are basically just an exchange. So we go to work and deliver work product and our employer gives us salary or some sort of compensation for doing that and I think oftentimes people well women in particular find that the employer is doing such good for them by giving them money but I always have to remind them but they're only giving you money because of what work you're generating for them and so we should always be earning our highest value potential and I do think that we lose track of that because we're such caretakers, so we want to take care of the job and the company, and we're very grateful for it. And I love that women are grateful. That's amazing. But at the end of the day, that company's not going to be with you in retirement. So you really have to focus on yourself. And as you said, the top line. And I think one of the biggest hurdles for women in asking for you know a bigger top line for myself included, is sort of the assumption that I do my job right and I take care of, you know, be that caretaker of my team and my work, then the company, my employer, my boss will recognize me and do right and be just by me. I love that you said that because there truly is a whole, if I do right by them, they'll do right by me mentality that mm. is often in women. But this is really an illusion because it's not their job to do right by you. As I said, their job is to do right by their shareholders or their owners. So you are a cost for the company and you're less of a cost if you're not asking for pay rises or getting equal pay. And that means their margins are better on you. So they're never going to come and say, oh, well, you know, we should throw another 10 grand at you because that's your market rate. If you're not standing up and earning it, that just means that their margins are greater and that's what they're going to focus on. It's not, you know, ill will towards you. It's just business. So we right, can't right. just sit there and if I do well, they'll, you know, they'll come and throw bonuses and and things at me because it just it doesn't work that way. Right, right. If we sort of think in terms of personal finance, 
very crude way of looking at it, maybe we each of each one of us are a line item. And it's taken from the top line of the companies. So the higher, like you said, the higher our uh, line items get, their margins get lower. And it's, it's sort of like simple math rather than emotions in play. Exactly. Exactly. But there are a lot of emotions in play because we, people are emotional about their work and that, and that's no Mm. surprise, you know, in our careers, we spend half our lives working. I mean, in a New York work week, people are at their job more than they're at home. um, If you're not counting sleep seemingly. So it's, it, I, I get it that people get very emotional about their work, but they're trying to keep margins intact. And if you come in at a low price and don't ask for a raise, you're, you're only perpetuating this. I mean, it's, they're really not at fault. So that's why we have to make sure we know our numbers and we earn our full value. And there are great ways nowadays to figure out how much you should be earning because I've had to do it. I've had to get a, a correction. I got a $25,000 raise in one fell swoop. And that's actually how I wow. started doing it. Yeah. Well, wow. And that it's a big number and it, it sounds great, but it means I was se- severely underpaid before that. So, you know, not what all was great. that experience like? Yeah, I was working at a startup. Well, not really a startup because it was post acquisition, but we ran it like a startup. So they were really trying to keep all of their costs down. And so they managed to hire some great women for really cheap. And it was all a a bet for everyone at first, but we really turned it into a international successful company. And when I came in, they didn't even really have a sales offer for what I was there to sell. So I created that. I sold that. I did really well. I knew I was doing really well. I was earning the company a bunch of money and I wasn't making very much money and I'm living in New York city. So when I started to look around and see what sales people um, who are earning as much as me for their significant companies were taking home in terms of base salary, I was way off. So you can go to Glassdoor or Payscale or LinkedIn now has a feature and you can type in your job position and I wouldn't say just yours. So let's say you're, you know, an associate creative director, also type in senior art director, get, get a bunch of similar, any, any other label that you could have um, to try and pinpoint your level of experience and your career and get the range of salary that is being paid for that in both a national average and your local average. And Mm -hmm. when you look at that range, if you're outside of it, it's time to have a conversation about getting you inside of it. And to be quite frank, anyone that I work with, I always um, encourage them to shoot for the top of the range because there's a few things that need to be done before you have this salary adjustment conversation, um, such as the self-assessment that I can talk about later. But I, I have incredible clients who come to me and that I help with this. And 
they're really good at their jobs and they know it. And that's why they want to be well within that range. But I'm going to encourage them to shoot for the top of that range because why not? You know, if you fall below into the medium, at least you're in the middle and not asking for the middle and getting inside the range, but only at the bottom. You see what I'm saying? Because negotiation, yeah. it's always just that. It's a negotiation. It's a starting point. Um, if if both parties wanted the same thing and you told them you wanted a $25,000 raise and they wanted to give you one, it'd be a lot easier. It's it's not that easy. Yeah. So say we educate ourselves from the resource that you just mentioned, and then we're about to go in for the negotiation, but I think, like you said before, emotions do play a big role in how we not only relate to money and our salaries, but to ourselves. And I've seen a lot of women sort of start having preemptively these self-negating thoughts. Yes. Um, what are the some top excuses you've heard? It's so funny because I always give my sales pitch that you're in sales, you sold yourself into this job, you sell your friends on what to do this weekend. You're already in sales and they'll finally come around. You're an advocate and yeah, an advocate and a salesperson for everyone but yourself. Correct. And then the worst thing happens where they actually talk themselves out of trying to, to ask for more money. It's amazing. I mean, this is probably just a person thing, but I do, th I do see it a lot in, in women. We can really talk ourselves out of anything. So in especially if someone hasn't asked for a raise, let's say they got into a job, they've been there four years, and they're maybe getting those annual bonuses of two to three percent, which heads up everyone, that's inflation. So you're really not making more money. <laughs> they're keeping you at the mm. same at the same level. And um and work with them and they're like, okay, yeah, now I know I need to ask. But then they start talking themselves out of it. A lot of the excuses are in the company's favor. I don't want to rock the boat. We just lost a client. I don't think we're doing as well as we, you know, we once were. I, I know how much, um, you know, the company's bringing in and I, they can't really afford to do this. So many excuses. Like, it, it's, it's amazing. But people, companies have to spend money to make money. So if they don't have it, they're going to have to go out and get it because they shouldn't have people well, people shouldn't be working for them that aren't earning their full value potential. That's really my main thesis. But if you are one of those people, you can't be worried about their bottom line. If they can't pay you more, all it is is proof that you need to be working somewhere else. And that's sometimes the exercise here, right? That you ask, they say no, because they haven't given you a raise in a while. They don't expect that you're going to ever ask. And when you do ask, you know, they haven't uh, prepared for that increase or line item and so if they say no all that does is proves that they're not willing to pay you your full value and why should you be working for a discount rate especially if you already have been right. for years your eyes your eyes are open you're enlightened it's time to move on and sometimes that happens so 
you know, amazing. I mean, to answer your question, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of excuses, but, but most of them again are in the company's favor. In the company's favor, which doesn't seem to make sense, but it makes sense at the same time. Yeah, um, exactly. So you've educated yourself, you've pumped up and you've put value and the empowerment back in your hands. You're about to walk into your boss's room. What's your advice on how to actually start broaching that subject? Well, a few more things. Um, Before I had said, you need to make sure you're ready before you ask for a raise. And the way you can Mm. do that is by asking yourself a few questions. So one is, have you been at your job for a reasonable amount of time? And I would determine that, you know, in a broad sense as to be a year or more. Um, I, I get very specific with clients, but in a general sense, you need to have been there a year. And have you taken on new responsibilities since you've been hired type thing? Because what you really need to understand is, have you been exceeding expectations rather than just meeting Mm -hmm. them? So there has to be a self-evaluation. Have I been here long enough? Do I, you know, does it make sense for me to ask? And if the answer to both of those are yes, then, then we do the pumping up. And then for the meeting, the meeting itself is really important how you time it and how you make the situation go down. So you'll hear in, in a lot of life cases that timing is everything mm. until a performance review to ask for a salary adjustment. But by that time, your boss has probably already decided what raises will be dole, will be doled out to the team. And for example, if you're one of those people who's not asking for raises, they probably aren't setting aside extra money for you they're just doing the you know the three percent or whatnot they might know that joe comes in every year and is like i'm this much more together i want to be you know here within 18 months and let's get me there what what can we talk about in terms of you know bonus or adjusted salary and that person might be getting a raise year over year like a significant one but you don't know and if you wait till bonus season, they've already kind of decided who's going to, who's getting what. So you need to be aware of when that is, and you need to get a meeting with your boss three to four months in advance. So I don't want to deter people from asking if they don't have the opportunity to, three, to do three or four months in advance. I'm just telling you that's going to be the most optimal timing. That's when it's in your favor because budgets haven't been confirmed or allocated yet. And then also, you need to make sure that you set that meeting with the right person. You may have a a manager who you're close with and it's great, but they may not ultimately be a decision maker. And there's a bigger boss that you could talk to. You have to make sure it's not going to negatively hinder your relationship. But in a lot of cases, people are absolutely able to and should speak to a decision maker. Um, that that might be a little bit more top line if it's not going to be a problem because you may just talk about your manager about your daily tasks etc and they're feeding this decision maker and you can absolutely go and talk to your decision maker directly about compensation and that's okay so again you have to evaluate um, what's going to work in your organizational structure but I recommend that people talk to the most senior appropriate decision maker 
you should be talking with this person as often as possible anyways because it's always great to be getting visibility into what you're doing it's going to help them know that you're a solid worker and that you mean business when you come in to talk about compensation but so when you set the meeting you just say can i have 30 minutes of your time on wednesday or what whatever it is but you're what it's about you just set up an in-person meeting if possible and then when you go into the meeting is when you say you know I'm here to have a compensation conversation with you and you know you'll have rehearsed plenty before this you know writing down what you want to say practicing in a mirror or on video to yourself or with a friend so that you're super comfortable having this conversation um, and the other things you're going to do before you walk into that meeting is you're going to think about who you're talking to, what motivates them. When preparing for a negotiation, you should get in the mindset of thinking about the situation from your opponent's perspective. What mm. do they need to see or know to be able to give you a raise? So that's important. And then some people who really have a hard time of asking for a raise, I, I also tell them to focus on who in your life will this raise affect? Because sometimes women, you know, these are my clients, so these are the people that I'm dealing with, can't seem to do it for themselves, but they'll do it for their kids or they'll do it for their significant other who's really been, you know, encouraging them to do it too. Like, think about them and think about how happy they're going to be when you're when you're happier because you're getting paid your full value. That's an awesome strategy. So since we aren't necessarily our best advocates, bring into arsenal, <laughs> think about who this will affect. That's an awesome strategy. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's out, a little out easier of, that way. Out of curiosity, why not mention in the um, request for a meeting that this will be about a raise? Because it gives, jump it gives them time to plan and mm. planning makes people prepared, right? So now they've got reasons why or a raise or they can talk to your bosses about your performance and you don't want to jump the gun on that. You want to get to them and directly have the conversation yourself so that they're not poking around beforehand and making a decision likely beforehand. The other thing I'll say is if you have multiple bosses, um, try and get them in the room too. So I, I was working with a client who's a lawyer and she had three partners at her firm and she only wanted to talk to the partner she was familiar with, close with. And I said, no, we need to talk to all three. And she said, well, one's on vacation so I can really only talk with two. And I said, well, let's see if he'll dial in or let's wait till he's back. You know, you waited this long type thing. Because if, mm -hmm. if the meeting happens and you're talking to two people and there's a third that's outside of the room, it's really easy for them to say, well, third person said no. What can we do? Mm -hmm. Our hands are clean. So it's, it's just strategy. You know, it's just being cognizant of who to talk to, what's going to motivate them, and then pre preparing. So that's why the first meeting you don't have them or when you set the meeting, they don't know what it's about because this way you get to be the more prepared one. Super, super advice. So I really like the strategy of once you get into the meeting room or actually right before you get into the meeting room, 
the things that you need to do. Mm-hmm. But you also mentioned something really interesting about making sure that both your team and especially your bosses know that you are going beyond uh, expectations or what's your value added to the company. Right. I think that sort of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in that a lot of a lot of us sort of expect if we keep our heads down and do our work right, we'll get recognized someday, one day. Because mm-hmm. I think for women especially, we're sort of ingrained. You don't want to be arrogant. You don't right. want to necessarily. Yeah, we're not. Flaunt. We're not braggers like guys are. <laughs> right, should, right, right. But we should be. We should be. There's nothing wrong with bragging because bragging is only self-advocating and saying. Look at what I had a hand in, and now it's come to fruition. You should be proud of your work. You should talk about it with your boss, your team, and you should absolutely tie your name to whatever component of something new that's happened was your responsibility and your effort. So I would say start bragging as, a, as just a memo to everyone listening. I agree with it. If people think you're arrogant, they're insecure. Because if you <laughs> did what you're if you did what you're bragging about, you know, it's just fact. Right. How so how should that conversation sort of play out? Should that be, you know, every time you see your boss over the water cooler? Or should you also set a meeting for that and say, hey, this is what I've accomplished in this amount of time? Yeah, if you don't have regular check-ins with your boss, definitely ask to have those um, because that, that could mean they have no visibility into what you're doing or they're expecting a manager to bring, you know, top-down visibility and they make it what the group's doing but not know what you're responsible for. So, yeah, just say, can I have 15 minutes to, to talk to you about my performance? Um, and you can always say in that meeting, I'd, I'd love to do this more, more often. Could we make this a regular thing? What would be convenient for you every quarter or every other month? You know, and, and if they don't have time for it to be that much FaceTime, then just send it in an email. Say, I just wanted to um, reach out and make sure that, you know, you're aware of some of the, the things I've been working on recently, it'd be great to, you know, get some in-person time with you. But if not, I just wanted to give you a quick rundown of what I've been up to since I, since you hired me seven months ago or whatever it is. That's great. So that's for both your direct boss, but also the potential decision maker. Mm, That's more likely for your direct boss, the decision maker you need to just feel that out, whether it's more appropriate to, you know, stop them and talk to them in the hallway. I I would say if you can have the most senior person in your organization that you can make yourself known to, the better. Because this gets, so at, at my last company, it was based in London. There was about 50 people, maybe 60 people there. And then there was a small office in New York, but there was no senior management in New York. So when ever the CEO would come in from London, I made darn sure that I was greeting him, 
talking to him or the CFO, I was, I was giving him numbers. I was saying, oh, I just closed a $25,000 deal yesterday. You'd be interested to know it's X person and that might be, you know, a good resource for whatever. You want to be more aware of how what you're doing affects the company so that you can have these conversations because they're only going to respect you and think, wow, they're really doing a lot for our organization. And that sticks with them. So you always want to give yourself as much exposure as possible. Um, you, you just have to decipher what's the, what's the appropriate way to do it because it might be a little odd if you're suddenly emailing your manager, your manager's manager, and so mm -hmm. up the chain to just give a, a little bullet point uh, rundown of what you're doing. You need to build relationships. It, it can't come out of the blue, you know? So start with talking and then say, would it be helpful for you if I gave you a monthly update of, of what our team is working on? You know, that kind of thing. Add value. Always reframe it in your mind to how can I add value? Awesome. Always see it from the other end's perspective. So when you actually go into the meeting, it's D-Day, you've been practicing. Actually, what should you be practicing on? Should you try to bring in as much number to back up that you've been adding value as possible? And also a follow-up question to that. For some positions, it's really hard to quantify the value added in the work that you've been doing. What would be your advice on that? That it doesn't matter because mm. if, so, so obviously with sales, you've got more numbers to show. But at the end of the day, what we're talking about here is your market rate. You need to stay focused on the fact that you're under market rate and you need to be within market value. So that's where the conversation needs to stay focused. What is the market paying people like you? You need to make sure that you're refocusing the conversation, no matter where it goes, back to that metric. Ah, so it's not necessarily, that's not the point to share sort of or brain dump all the value added that you've done to the company, you should have done that prior to going to that meeting. And in that meeting, it's focused on, let's talk about money. Yeah, this is a compensation meeting. I mean, they should, the assessment was to say, are, are they aware of my value add? And you won't, or you walk into that meeting. Of course you can self-promote during this meeting, but it's not, you're not going in to say, look at me, I've done a, B, and C, I want more money. Because they're going to say, well, that's your job. So mm -hmm. you need to go in there and, and talk about, I want to have a, com a conversation about compensation um, because I'm not earning the correct market value for the role that I'm really participating in here. So I want to have an honest dialogue with you about what it's going to take to get me there and how we can adjust that. So really, when you go into the meeting, I would say the most important thing to remember is to walk in with confidence and positivity. The way you enter a room can dictate how the rest of an interaction will go. 
So head held high, smile when you enter, starting things off with a positive vibe is very important, no matter how small it is, because you need to stay not pushy, but focused throughout this meeting. And negotiation can be a little bit scary. So we know that we're going to move past it and we're going to keep the conversation positive. So you can kick it off with something like, I really enjoy working here, find my projects very challenging. You know, in the last year, I feel that my scope of work has expanded quite a bit. Um, I believe my roles and responsibilities and contributions have risen to account for that. And I'd like to discuss the opportunity of raising my compensation. Or I would like to address my, my compensation package in this meeting today. You just, you get positive and you get right to it. And then during this conversation, something important to remember is that we've discovered the range, but you're not using the range in the meeting. Now you need to drop the anchor, which means you need to put your number on the table. It's the most important part of the negotiation since it's what the rest of the conversation is going to be based off of. And this is why I'm saying if it's too low, you'll end up with a lower final offer than you want. So you mm -hmm. should mention the number first so that you're in control of the anchor and ask for more than you want. Also, side note, psychology tells us that your bargaining partner will feel like he or she is getting a better deal in the negotiation if they negotiate you down from your original ask. So don't fear about asking for too much. The worst that can happen if you give a high number is that they counter you with a lower number. But that's the point of negotiation. So it's okay to go high to get to, you know, for them to negotiate down to something that you're still very comfortable with. So say that you're below market and you find out the range for your position, but you've never asked for a raise ever, ever, ever. Should you still go for the top of the range? Yeah, I think, um, yes, I think you should. And I understand why that's scary. But I just told you guys that I negotiated $25,000 salary increase in one fell swoop. So mm -hmm. what I'm really telling you is I asked for even more than that. <laughs> but ah. it's, it's still, it's a big number. You know, that's a shocking number for people to think, well, they're not going to give me that much. But you don't know unless you try it. I love the Wayne Gretzky quote of, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. Mm. So you don't want to have psyched yourself up, done all this preparation and research and have the meeting and then clam up and drop a number too low and then negotiate you down from that because then you're going to know you could have done it and, and gotten more if you just stuck to your guns. Mm. So yes, it's scary. It's not the end of the world. It's, it's a 20 minute meeting and then potentially a few follow-ups, likely a few follow-ups, maybe one or two. And the more uncomfortable you are, but the more you get through it, all you're doing is developing and then flexing this negotiation muscle. And I love to, to, to say, 
I've created little monsters because the women that I've worked with, this doesn't just help them in this job. This helps them in any future negotiation. Once you have this belief that you deserve the most you can get, you're going to always feel that way. And so now I have people who've gotten to the top of their range at one job and they're going to another another job and exceeding that range. How do you know that you're always going to advocate for yourself? So, so that trajectory of a woman needing 11 years longer to make what a man has made, you are shortening that time and possibly obliterating it if you're suddenly making mm-hmm. fair market rate or more. Why not more? Why not more? What happens if the employer comes up with a, well, the employer will come up with a counter offer if it's not acceptable or actually how would you judge if that's acceptable? You need to know your walk away number. Mm. For example, if the range is 60 to 75 and you're making 55 and you want to be making at least 65, if they come back and give you something within the range, that's not terrible. You're still getting a $5,000 increase. It wasn't what you wanted. Um, we asked for more, hoping to get you there. But it does mean that you can go and look for a job somewhere else well within that range. Likely mm-hmm. shoot just right for the top of it because now you have all this information. But if they're only going to pay you, you know, a little bit more, like another $2,500, that's not even going to get you into that range. And they're acting like, well, we're doing you a favor. It's outside of performance review time, et cetera. You know, that's why I say have your walk away number. Cause do you want to consistently be paid under your market value? Probably not. So first it's about self enlightenment and you need to pick a walk away number and know that you know, there's a great um, there's a great chart that shows a person's income over. It shows two people's income over years. It shows them both starting out making eighty thousand annually, and over a fifteen year period, the person who it has one person staying at their same company and one person changing jobs every two years. That person, fifteen years later, is earning almost a hundred thousand dollars more because oh, wow. too many people. Too many people try and stay loyal to a company when they need to stay more loyal to themselves. Like, it's not a win if they're only going to pay you a little bit more and they're still not getting you within the fair market value. Because if if you haven't learned your job role inside and out and should be making this amount, then you should switch jobs because switching jobs isn't a bad thing. They try and make us believe it was a bad thing, but that's a yesteryear thing. That's our parents' situation. You know, when they had stable 401ks and well-paying jobs, et cetera. For us, you're learning new skills and you can go and take those skills and require more value exchange for them every few years because it only takes you so long to get good at a job. So 
people who are just staying at the same job are probably not working at optimum capacity anyways because they're bored. They've been there. They know what to do. They're just slotting in and staying. That's not going to challenge you to grow um, and certainly not going to help you earn more. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm like a big fan of switching jobs um, pretty frequently. Also, you hear, hear tons of stories. It's just true that, you know, let's, for example, I worked at the Estee Lauder companies at the beginning of my career, and people weren't making that much money, but we'd hire someone in and they'd be making way more money. So people would leave, go to L'Oreal for 18 months, come back, two titles higher and a huge pay higher. But the people who are too scared to jump ship and come back, they or jump ship at all and go to somewhere else where they're getting paid more, they were getting paid inconsequentially less. And so, you know, we're in charge of our, our career path and the amount of fully empowered to do it. So what I hope listeners take away from this today is, you know, do your research, know your numbers, and know your walk away value because you could be a lot happier making what you deserve to make at a company that pays you that because it proves just in a in a compensation way that they value you before you even get the additional colleague experiences i have people that's another argument i get well i don't want to have to leave because i really like my colleagues i don't care if you like your colleagues that means they're <laughs> your friends now and you should hang out with them at brunch on sunday but it doesn't mean you should get paid less for the next ten, five years because you like your colleagues and you don't want to start that. over i mean there's a ton of there's a ton of excuses but i think that we have to challenge ourselves to grow that's what makes life better anyways and it's the same thing with this negotiation it's not comfortable maybe you haven't done it or maybe you've done it once and you didn't do it well well now you can try again and the more you do try the more you're flexing this muscle and you're gonna you know be really strong in your negotiation ability um so yeah don't live by other people's standards or your company's standards live by your standards exactly so say you succeeded in negotiating and or you're already in the market range. Should you do it again? And if so, how, how often? Yeah, I mean, I, I tell people to put a calendar alert every nine months because oh, something wow. could have changed within your organization. Yeah, something could have changed within your organization that makes that gave you a lot more responsibility. This happens all the time. People end up taking on other people's jobs and they don't get a, you know, they're, they're more interested in a title change than a salary bump and a title. I mean, a title is a title. It could be anything. Salary is what's actually going to help you achieve financial freedom. So that's a lot more valuable. And, and again, it means, you know, that you're earning your full value and that's a much better place to be in with your company anyway. So also once you get the reputation from them, of, of them knowing that you're gonna you're gonna ask for a raise, like it's gonna get easier because there's a respect that comes from it too. They know they can throw you stuff, but you're gonna ask for more money. But like they can throw you stuff because that it's that trade that's happening, you know, responsibility for additional compensation. But yeah, I tell people every nine months put a, a reminder on your calendar because at nine months you need to evaluate self-evaluate, company evaluate and see 
what more you could be earning. Recheck your numbers, make sure you're still in the range. Again, if you got into the range, now let's shoot for the top of the range. What needs to be done? Because in that meeting, you're not just, I mean, you're prioritizing your request, which is the salary conversation, mm -hmm. but you can also say, or you, you can figure out what needs to be done to get you to the next level. Doesn't even have to be in that meeting but it can be consistently with your managers or those people you're kind of checking in with now. Um, what else can I help with? What else can be taken over? And then you can bring that up. So I've taken on these And that would be true even once you've reached the top of the range? Top of the range is harder because now it's likely you should go to another company. Mm. You can try it. Here, here's something I always tell people. I have people who are fed up with their company or they just feel they've been there long enough and they want to change. Whatever the reason is, if they haven't gotten a pay increase in the last 12 months, I really strongly encourage them to try and get one before they leave. And people are huh. kind of like, well, that's, yeah, they're like, that's counterintuitive. I'm leaving. So why would I ask for more money? Practice. Here's a perfect situation to practice in. You got nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. They're not going to lose either. They're not going to have to pay you it, or they're going to pay you it for three months. You know, it, it, it's not the point. Or maybe uh, a lot of times people are asking this who really just don't, who, who've been told no once before and don't want to go through it. They'd rather just start over. They're not, they might not get a no the second time. You really have nothing left to lose, and you're just flexing that muscle. So, you know, try that first. I also really like what you mentioned, how asking for money can actually be seen as a sign of you standing up for yourself. For sure. Employers, employers respect it. They want to know who means business, because if you're asking for more for you, that means that you, you know, put, put value on, on yourself in that relationship. And it means you're going to be that way with clients, too. Right. Absolutely. So there's obviously a lot that we covered and a lot more that I'd always love to learn from you, but also for our members who have a few more specific questions, perhaps, is there a way to get in touch with you? Sure. Yeah, they can find me, um, email me at Allegra, A-L-L-E-G-R-A, at Finn Gyms. So F-I-N-G-Y-M-S dot com. Amazing. Amazing, as always. Thank you so much, Allegra. This has been absolutely the best. For sure. I love talking about it. I hope that I help a few more women so I can dwindle down that 100,000 number. <laughs> and, and no, yeah, it's a big number, I realize, after I put it in place. Um, but reach I, high, I reach high. Reach high, absolutely. I'm all about big hair, audacious goals. But um, if anyone does follow this advice and are able to get themselves a raise, or really if you have any more questions, do get in touch with me because I love to hear the stories. Um, and I'm actually thinking about starting my own podcast about Ooh. the experiences of women doing salary negotiation and their tales. Good yeah, that'd be amazing. 
Yeah, I feel like it'd be it'd be useful information. I love hearing people's stories. Sort of similar to what Winnie does, where we say share the struggle, share the success. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you, and hopefully we can have you back for some more Q and A. Happy to anytime. Hope you enjoyed, winners. You can hear our previous episodes at wewinii.com slash moneybytes. We'd also love to hear your feedbacks. For feedbacks and podcast suggestions, feel free to give us a ring at 516-WE-WINNING. That's 516-934-4644. You may use your voice in our next podcast. Our theme music was played and produced by Lulu Lee. Hope to see you next week.